We're back. We're back. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to the Third Culture Podcast, actually, because this is the first episode where it's just me with Third Culture Podcast. Um, I changed the name. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Um, this is the last name change. I promise this time, like I'm sticking with it. The last like two names are like the ones where I thought about like in less than a day and then just jumped in and did it. This one I actually thought about and everything like that. So we're going to leave it at that. We're going to stick with this third culture podcast. Boom. Um, but yeah, man, this is like the second episode in like two weeks. Um, I haven't done that in like months, but you know, new year, First of all, happy new year, actually, because I said it in the last podcast, but this is the first one where it's, you know, just me and you. Um, we am in new year and new me, you know, we're back. Um, Christmas just came around. So, you know, you boys got a little bit extra bread saved up, you know, a little bit extra money in the pockets right now, which means um, potentially a new setup, new studio, not really a studio, just me maybe moving to a different room in my house. Um, where like the walls are blue and shit like that, like my old room, everything like that, instead of like just plain walls. I mean, I added like this kind of stuff just for the podcast. The rest of my room is just plain. I got some LED lights and everything like that, but that's that's it. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I actually have a, a few episodes planned out like down the line with like a few people that I would that have an idea of like I would like them on the show kind of thing. So um yeah, it was like the old little housekeeping stuff, but the majority, you could tell by the title already. This episode is me talking about United again. What's a Skylar Gonzalez podcast episode without talking about Manchester United? You know, um, my feelings towards them haven't changed. We still suck. Um, we're still garbage. We're currently in seventh place, um, five points behind fourth, I think, and then like three points behind fifth, I think, something like that. So, we're not doing too hot, man. We're not doing too hot. Last time I talked about them, though, we were still under um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who just got sacked at, like, I think the end of November. That's how long it's been since I haven't been on this podcast. But um, end of November, I think, is around when he got sacked and we brought in Ralph Ragnick, who, you know, ain't doing too much better. He was brought in for damage control. I feel like he's just adding more damage to the club. Because, you know, the club's got a lot of things going on. None of them are good, though. Not one thing coming out of the club right now is a positive note. We have nothing good to go off of. Um, first of all, who is Ralph Ragnick? Ralph Ragnick has a reputation in European football for being a director, right? Not a manager, a director. Mind you, we brought him in as an interim manager, meaning he only has till the end of the season. He's just here for damage control. He's here to just fill in the shoes of a manager because we sacked Solskjaer. Um, Ragnick has the reputation of being a pretty decent um, director, specifically for clubs like Leipzig and Salzburg. He was the director for all of those Red Bull teams. So Salzburg, Leipzig, um, the Red Bull, like New York Red Bulls. Um, and then there's a, there's one in Brazil as well, but I forgot their name too. But he was kind of overseeing everything there. And he kind of transformed um, Leipzig into what they are now, like one of the top teams in Germany, even though they keep selling all their players to Bayern Munich and whatever. That's another topic of conversation for another time. But German football, he's, you know, up there as a director. I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing director, not a manager. Okay. 
um when he came over to united a lot of people mainly like you know united fans were amped because we got rid of Solskjaer who people at, at this point pretty much just turned on um and people were excited for for Ragnik I think the only reason people should have been excited for Ragnik is these is the only reason why I was excited for Ragnik was because he had a system that system that he likes is known as you know that Gagan press Gagan pressing which essentially is just very high tempo high pressing football it's what Leipzig does what a lot of the Red Bull teams do um you know he's known as the godfather of Gagan pressing or whatever um ever since he came to the club though nothing we don't even press we've gotten packed in by Norwich who are in dead last like they are going to get relegated and we barely beat them so that kind of shows you what's really going on with this club. Um, Ragnik, I think, honestly, is worse than Solskjaer. You know, shout out to Milan because he was saying how, um, you know, in a few months down the line, we're going to be wanting Solskjaer back. I'm not going to go that far and say I want Solskjaer back, but I'm going to go as far as saying we definitely don't need Ragnik. I don't need Ragnik. My mental health doesn't need Ragnik, right? He seems so lost about what's going on. And like some of the decisions he makes as a manager and as far as substitutions and lineups and everything goes, some of his decision-making actually makes me question if I know the sport. You know what I mean? Like it's actually ridiculous because it's, it's crazy things on how like we will be losing a game and we're going to take out an attacking player and bring in a defender. For what? What? what it's too late to defend we already conceded let's go and score you know what i'm saying but he does that on a regular that's the other thing we got rid of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mainly well not this isn't the only reason we got rid of him but one of the main reasons was because he was married to this two cdm kind of system right Mick Fred that's where that came from McTominay and Fred and later on he was throwing Matic whatever but always playing with two holding mids in a 4-2-3-1 system First of all, I don't even know why you always need to do that. I get it if you're playing like a Liverpool, a City, a team where they're probably going to dominate possession, so you want that extra body um, on the defending end. Cool, that makes sense. But we don't need that when we're playing Burnley or Newcastle or, or you know, the teams where we should be dominating them. But we did that all the time. And we still do it now. That's what I don't understand. We got rid of one manager who had this philosophy or these principles and we replaced him with another manager that has almost the same principles. What did you think was going to change? I don't, now we, okay, instead of a 4-2-3-1, what do we do? We shift to a 4 triple 2 Why? I don't know. It's an erratic formation. It's kind of weird to see it when you look at, like, when you look at the field, it's a weird thing to look at. And it's been shown multiple times. I think when we played Wolves, I think that was like around two, three weeks ago, something like that. They picked us apart because they found all the right gaps. Potence was tearing us a new one because he just knew how to find the space, right? And it's just, as interim manager, whatever system you're bringing, in this case, that gagging pressing system, as an interim manager, you need to fit your system around the players traditionally 100% I get it you need to find players to fit the system traditionally if it's actually your team and you're actually the manager that's what you need to do but as interim manager especially with a, with, with a system as, spe- as as specified as a gig and pressing system 
That's a very specific style of play. Not a lot of players are built to do that. Not, that's why not a lot of teams do that in general, right? The only other team that plays a similar style um, consistently and is known for it that comes to my head anyways is like Atletico Madrid. But even them, they don't really – it's not like a high press. They're just super sound defensively, and then they'll just take you on a counter basically. But even then, you have to have a certain amount – or you have to have certain players that fit that, that role, right? You kind of need to – bring players in and then if they even leave the club it's because of what they did there which kind of projects them further players like Antoine Griezmann where he's known for his for him being able to defend as a striker as a center forward he's still quality going forward but he embodies that Atletico Madrid play style because that's kind of where he came up obviously he was at Real Sociedad before got found out by Diego Simeone and you know came to Atletico, did his thing, and then boom, got his big money move to Barcelona, right? But it's not like, you're not going to bring in, there's not a lot of world-class players that are just wired for pressing for 90 minutes. You know what I mean? You need to, that's what I'm saying as an interim manager, especially one that's bringing in a system like Gagan pressing, you need to kind of fit whatever system around your players. United have never been a pressing team. We don't have players to press. The only players that can probably press for 90 minutes is Fred. That's it. Maybe McTominay if he has the legs for it. And then maybe a prime Cavani. Cavani right now is like 35. He's a fossil. All right, so I don't, that's not reliable to see Cavani pressing for 90 minutes. Furthermore, you just brought in Ronaldo who he's not pressing shit. He doesn't need to press shit. Right, Which I, and I'll get into this after. Ronaldo is not the problem. I'm not addressing that um, in any other episode other than this one um because that's just pure blasphemy really but anyways back to Ragnik. we don't have yeah okay we don't have players that can press we simple as and the thing is is we'll play players that really don't deserve to be getting pt fred mctominay and matic do not deserve to be playing half the games they're even playing when we have Van de Beek that's on the bench, we had Pogba. I'll give him some leeway. Pogba actually just came back now. He ended up messing. I think it was his thigh or his knee when he went away on international duty a few months back. He just came back to first first team training. We haven't played a game yet, but he needs to be right back in the lineup because he's the kind of midfielder that we need. He's an attacking midfielder. Well, he's not. He's a center midfielder, but he's an offensive center midfielder. He's more known for what he does on the attacking end than the defensive end. But he actually looks to get on the ball and he can actually retain the ball. He can pick out a pass. He actually enjoys playmaking, which is something that this team really lacks. Bruno Fernandez is not a playmaker. Okay, he's just a, he's just an attacker. He's not a playmaker. When you have a striker as dominant as Ronaldo or just offensive players like we have, the Ronaldos, Cavani's, Rashford, who's been horrible this season so far, um Greenwood Martial if she's kind of like halfway out the door at this point you need to have guys that can facilitate that otherwise you're just gonna have a whole bunch of forwards running around but who's giving them the ball Fred and McTominay that's actually what's been going on and obviously that hasn't been working for us right we've deployed Ronaldo and Cavani as strikers with like Bruno and Greenwood as the two number tens what service are they gonna get because Bruno, like I said, Bruno is not a playmaker. Get that out of your head. Bruno has never been a playmaker for this team. If, like, sure, he can go and score the ball, he can shoot, whatever, whatever. 
but I need we need a playmaker. If you look at all the great strikers or all the great forwards, let's look at Ronaldo specifically because he's on United. He his success at Real Madrid, who is his midfield? And starting his second season is when they signed Ozo. So then you were set from there pretty much. After that, you flipped Ozo, you brought in Isco, who isn't necessarily a playmaker, playmaker, but that was kind of the start of that era with Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro, who, in my opinion, is the greatest midfield trio of the last decade. Um, but you have play, you had playmakers to, to get him the ball. We don't have that on Manchester United, so we can't expect him to – what are we expecting him to do? Everyone's talking about how Ronaldo's the problem. How is he the problem? We can't string together five passes. How does that like he's a striker? We need the midfield to be able to string together five, 10, 15 passes, let alone put him in a position where he can score the ball. Right? We can't, you can't sign a 36, he's almost 37, 37 year old striker and have the same expectations of a 22 year old goal scorer because that's not what he is. He's a 37 year old goal scorer. And even though, yes, he does drop into pockets sometimes, he does drop into midfield to pick up the ball. That's not what I need. I don't need him to do that. We don't need him to do that. Or we shouldn't need him to do that. We need to actually get midfielders that can put the ball in front of him when he's in front of goal where he can score. And that doesn't go just for Ronaldo. That's for all of our forwards in general. I'm just using Ronaldo as a main example since everyone wants to say he's the problem. But our last match against Villa, we, we blew a 2-0 lead. And quite frankly, we never should have been up two goals. The first one was a mistake by the keeper. Bruno shot, and it, it, I think I think it was Martinez. It went it went through his legs. That that's an error. That whatever you kind of live with that because you know, like as a Villa fan or as a as Steven Gerrard in this case, you sort of live with that because you know it's an error from the keeper. It's easy to fix that, right? Even the second goal that we scored, it was a good goal by Bruno. It was a great strike, but it was from a clear error from Douglas Luiz. Our goals, the goals that we conceded, those have been goals that have been that we've been getting that we've been conceding for the whole year. If you look at the first goal, what did you someone can you guys tell me what what does Matic really do? He's a pine lot on the ball offensively, he's so slow. Well, he's physically slow, and then the way he sees the game is slow. As a midfielder, it should be one, two touches, get it gone. This guy takes one, two, three, four, five touches to pass the ball three yards back. I don't like what it what it, what do you really do? Why does he need to play every single game? I get it. If we're playing a Carabao Cup game, FA Cup game against freaking Salford City, yeah, throw him in there. Whatever. Good leadership, good experience, cool, whatever. You shouldn't be playing the big games, big fella. We need to be playing Donny Vanderbeek. He's the guy that we need. And even it's getting to the point now where I'm starting to question Vanderbeek because he just turned down a loan move to Newcastle because of where they are on the table. And obviously they're in relegation, but that doesn't matter. What matters is you're going to be able to play because God knows when you're going to play for, I don't think Vanderbeek will ever play for Manchester United. I'm surprised he's still here. I would have been up in flames at this point if I was Vanderbeek trying to go somewhere because you see, you see what Frankie De Young's doing with Barcelona. You see what Matthias Delitz doing with Juventus. Those guys are still getting PT, regardless on, on if you think they've been living up to their expectations or not as of late. They've been playing games. Right? I would have been, 
I would have been like Maitland Niles on Instagram. So I just want to go somewhere I can play. And then at Manchester United, because Maitland Niles actually did that. And now bro just got a loan move to Roma. Hopefully he does well. Um, but anyways, that's, that's besides the point. Donny Vanderbeek is a player that we could have used several times, pretty much every single game. But now nah, what do we like to do? We like to play him in the last two minutes of every game as if that's going to do something. How are you expecting him to, to put in good performances that way? The longest he's been on the pitch this season was against Watford, and he was our best player. He came on at halftime against Watford, and he was our best player. Hands down. He created so many chances. It's ridiculous. But yet, he's nowhere to be found. We're, we're, we're married to McTominay and Fred and, and Matic. I don't get it. I, I it, it blows my mind. This is why I'm saying some of the decisions that Ragnick makes just makes me think I have no idea what's going on in football and I don't know anything about any of the players. Because going forward on paper, we should have a decent team. I even forgot to throw Sancho's name in there. I for, he's been like Casper the Ghost, basically. But he's another one where He's out here getting bullied off the off the pitch by by the 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 abundance of CDMs that we have. And it's just like, what did we what did we even pay? Seven what was it? 75, 70 something million for for a midfielder for Sancho. What did we need that for? We didn't need a forward. We needed holding mids. We needed a holding mid. We needed Wilfred and Dee. We needed Declan Rice. One of those two guys. Who'd we get? We got neither of them. Varane, assigning Varane, cool, because he's been a good center back for us. I mean, he's been injured, um, and he's kind of like right now it's tough because he's just coming back from injury and kind of needs to give him some time to get his feet under him, whatever. But all in all, I think that's a decent signing. Our, our win rate with him on the pitch versus with him off the pitch is substantially higher, which is always a good thing. Um, Varane's doing his thing. Cool. The rest of our defense, though, Slabhead Maguire, he needs to be gone. Because, oh, my God, it's hor- It's it's dreadful. It's abysmal. It's chaotic. I don't even understand it. What does he even do? I get it. He wins balls in the air, but you can't. How is he the captain of United, first of all? How do we have so many players that have this high stature? But we made Maguire the captain. For what reason? Because he doesn't, from what I see on the pitch, he doesn't lead the team. No one looks to Maguire to lead the team. You know who they look at? They look at Ronaldo for good reasons, obviously. Now, would I give Ronaldo the captain, man? 100%. But I acknowledge that Ronaldo isn't the leader that we need in the sense that I feel like a lot of the players, we've heard the rumors around the camps at United about how the players won't take criticism. The young players don't take criticism. Ronaldo's not necessarily the kind of captain to come put his arm around you and, you know, have a conversation just one-on-one with you and him and him saying, you know, you got to do X, Y, Z. Ronaldo's the captain where you're 20 yards over there. I'm going to yell at the top of my lungs at you in front of everybody else telling you you're fucking up. Sorry, no efforts. That one was a little bit, that was a little bit explicit. But that's the kind of captain Ronaldo is. And personally, I have no problem with that. As a, it, it, as, 
as a professional, you should, as an adult in general, you should be able to take criticism. Doesn't matter what form it comes in, right? I understand that players don't all react to the same type of feedback the same way. Like some guys will shut off if you yell at them. I understand that that's a thing, but it shouldn't be a thing. Get over your feelings, bro. I don't, I don't, there was another, I don't, I don't remember what game it was, but Ronaldo looked at Rashford like he wanted to rip his throat out. And Rashford just kind of looked, you know, unbothered or just depressed about it. What are you doing? Do you know who that is? If anyone on the team, you should be listening to him. That should be your idol right now because you're playing with him. That you should be everything that man does in training, as far as it goes from lacing up his shoes to when he goes and takes a shit after practice, you should be doing the same thing as him. You shouldn't be out here. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Why is he getting mad at me? Da, 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 X, Y, Z. And the same goes for Greenwood. Greenwood is so selfish as a young player. And it's one of those things. It's a catch 22 because obviously I think Greenwood naturally is a striker. We play him as like a wide midfielder or just as a, we've been playing as a number 10 because we're playing a four triple two, but naturally he is a striker. And as a striker, you need that little bit of selfishness in you. So I'm not 100% mad at Greenwood for what he's doing. I know there were rumors around the camp saying that players were getting mad because he's so selfish. And that's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing because, yeah, I want you to go and score goals as a striker. Yeah, I want you to believe in yourself that you can score a goal. But at the same time, you need to be smart. If an opportunity is there for you to square the ball, I don't want you trying to squeeze the ball in a gap between three players. Square the ball. You know what I mean? This is where teams like the German national team, for example, that's why they're always going to be a top nation because they don't care who's scared, who, who scores. Going forward, they're just focused on scoring. It doesn't matter on whether it's Mueller that scores, whether it's Gnabry that scores, whether it's Sonia that scores, whether it's, I was going to say Werner, but let's be honest here, Werner's not scoring shit. Um, but they don't care about who scores. It's just about putting the ball in the back of the net. And that's what's always going to keep them a big side, I think, for us. And this is where I think the problem there, this is where I think that whole Ronaldo's a problem thing comes from is because Ronaldo is a greedy player. 100%. There's no way you're arguing against that. But the thing I don't like is we've been knowing that about Ronaldo. Why are we acting like, like this is something new? Even when he was on Real Madrid, if Benzema scored, I mean, him and Benzema are tight. But if you look up clips on Real Madrid, if Benzema scored or if anyone but Ronaldo scored, you think he's going to go celebrate? He's pissed. He doesn't care. He's pissed. So why are we acting like that's some new thing nowadays? We knew what that was like. We knew the attitude we were going to get from Ronaldo from the jump. I don't care if he doesn't press. What's the point of pressing if we can't even retain the ball? This is why I'm saying we need a playmaker. We need Pogba back in the midfield. He's someone that can actually put the ball in front of Ronaldo for him to go and score. But whether or not we actually do that, that's a whole different case. Because like I said, I don't know what we're even doing anymore with this club based on the decisions that Ragnick is making. The other problem I have with this is Ragnick's deal is, yeah, okay, he's the interim manager until the end of the season. And then after that, he's going to go upstairs in the offices and he's going to, you know, be a director. Cool. What are you doing to the team now, though? Because similar as earlier when I said you need to fit the system around the players or maybe even you need to get players that'll fit that system. We're in January right now. We haven't made one move. Either get rid of guys like Martial 
where he doesn't want to be here or guys in general that you don't think will fit that system of gig pressing if that's what you want to do or bring guys in that will fit that. Now, the other thing with that is interim. He's only here until the end of the season. So who's our next manager going to be? Whether it's Eric Tenhag from Ajax or Pochettino from PSG, whoever it is, you need to have an idea of who that next manager is before we even make any moves. Because if, let's say, let's go back to January 1st. If from January 1st, this guy Rannick is out here selling guys like Van Der Beek, selling Pogba, selling Martial, all these guys, whatever, because he wants to commit to this Gagan pressing system then whoever our, our manager next season has to also commit to this game presence. That's a very specialized system. Not everyone can play that. You need to get guys that are comfortable playing in these, in these systems. If you go and you bring in who, whoever the hell you find, if you go and you want to bring in XYZ players because they're made for Gagan pressing, whatever, you better hope that the next manager that comes in isn't one that's like, okay, no, we're going to possess the ball. We're going to XYZ, whatever. Because now they're just fish out of water as well. And now we're better off having the kept having kept Pogba and Vanderbeek. So it's a whole bunch. I, I personally want Eric Tenhag to come in. Um, I think he might be kind of hard to pry away from Ajax because really he has no reason to leave. He's done great things for that club. They win pretty, the Eredivisie pretty much every year. I think right now they're like in second or they're actually not in first, which pretty big deal but season's not over yet who knows what's gonna happen after that um Eric Tenag would also probably mean that Van Der Beek is going to play which is something that I think every single United fan wants to see um you should hear like the crowd eruptions when Van Der Beek actually gets some decent PT which is pretty much never he usually only comes in after the 86 minute when the game is pretty much already decided that's the other thing. With, with Ragnick, there was one game where he subbed out Mason Green. We were losing. Or we were drawing. We weren't winning. And he subbed out Mason Greenwood for another forward. But the obvious move should have been take out one of the CDMs and bring in a forward. And at, at the post inter, in, in the post-game interview, this guy said, well, I couldn't take out a number six, and someone had to come out. Why the hell can't you take out a number six? We're losing. What are they doing? It's not like our number six is, is, is freaking Patrick Vieira and Casemiro where they could potentially hit like a wonder strike or make a bursting run through the mid. Now, okay, McTominay turns into Patrick Vieira like once every year, right? But I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for these one-off games, right? That's not what we're relying on. It's just I don't, I don't get it. We're, we're a stubborn team that refuses to make changes. And we're just okay with nothing changing in the club. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I digress. That's that that was my little rant with United for for now. Um, who knows in a few months when we're still trash, I'm probably gonna come back on this podcast. I'm gonna probably say the same thing over again because nothing changes. Um, I'm pretty sure I said this exact same stuff like whenever the last time was I spoke about United. But, you know, it is what it is. This was a little short podcast, something for me to just get out there. Um, And, you know, a good little chance for me to talk about United, talk to y'all individually, one-on-one, or one-on however many people watch this. But, yeah, man, it is what it is. Um, Without any further ado, man, that's been the episode. Thank you all for listening. It's your boy, Skyler Gonzalez, signing off. Um, In these times, um, you know, be safe, stay healthy, whatever. And um, I'll talk to y'all and I'll talk to y'all next. Y'all be easy.